Welcome to The Apologist Bookshelf. Hi, I'm Gary Zacharias. I've got a book for you this time that I think is of critical importance, uh, especially if you look around and see what's going on in our society today. It's by Scott Allen, A-L-L-E-N. He's president of Disciple Nations Alliance. That's disciplenations.org. And uh, it's called Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. And it has to do with critical theory. And I've been reading quite a bit on that. And I'm very concerned about how it's coming into the church and coming into every aspect of our society. And that's what he's going to be referring to. Uh, he calls uh, the critical theory, he's going to talk about it as social justice. And I just wanted to spend a second telling you what other people have been saying about this book. One person says this book is an eye-opening, insightful, and truthful warning about the deeply anti-Christian ideas behind much of the modern social justice movement. Okay, so that's that was a good one. Somebody else says, Scott Allen carefully reveals how ideological social justice is a new religious replacement for the Judeo-Christian worldview. Hmm. Uh, somebody else said this, the life or death tone that permeates this book is there for good reason. If the present course is not altered, the consequences will not just be a fully fractured evangelicalism. It could mean could mean 21st century gulags, guillotines, or death camps. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Um, somebody else said this about the book. Earnest Christians eager to rectify ancient wrongs are being seduced by an anti-biblical world, anti-biblical worldview that masquerades as social justice. And then here's kind of the overview so you know what you're getting when you read the book. So Scott Allen draws a very significant distinction between secular social justice and justice as taught in Scripture. He shows how secular social justice arose, how it's widely influential, and how it's had devastating effects on our society. So it, it really is huge. Now, I wanted to look at one chapter here, a powerful book, uh, something I think we all need to be acquainted with. I'm going to pick one chapter again. I'll try to come back to it some other time, but I want to give you some flavors of some other books that I've got, too. I'm going to pick up on chapter 6. The title here is The Ideology's Values and Disvalues. So, so social justice, what do they value? So they value two things, equality and diversity. What two things do they disvalue? Western civilization and America. Okay, so they, they value two things, equality and diversity. And he shows why their ideas are not what we would think of as, as good Christian values. And the two things that they disvalue, Western civilization and America. So let's start on the first thing that this ideology, critical theory, social justice, what do they value? Equality. Okay, it's really different what the Bible says. In the Bible, equality refers to the equality that we have because we're all image bearers. We all have equal dignity, all have equal worth, we have God-given rights. But in this Marxist, basically, is the background, this Marxist worldview, equality means equality of outcome. In other words, we've got to end up the same, we've got to end up uniform, we've got to end up interchangeable. That's kind of funny, isn't it, because it talks about diversity, but it says when you work out ideological social justice, it makes diverse people the same. And what it does, it'll take any difference that's found among different groups of people and call that injustice and oppression. You know, so for example, he gives a good example here. If 80% of Google software engineers are male, 
and 20% are female, what's the problem? There, there's got to be systemic male privilege and sexism there. But is that really the case? Or could men and women have different psychologies or life experiences that would lead them either to want to be a software engineer or lead them away from that? Okay, so that's one, one thing that they talk about. Um, this demand for sameness is showing up everywhere, Alan says. Norms and civic ordinances that exclude transgender people from using the bathrooms and locker facilities of their choice are said to be unjust because they treat people differently. And so uh, think about same-sex marriage. It had, you know, to argue that men and women are different and that they bring different and essential goods to marriage and nurturing kids, that's not equality. That's not sameness. John Stone Street, I like him a lot. He said social sciences scientists have long known that loving families with two parents confer an enormous advantage on children. They're more likely to attend college, less likely to suffer abuse, less likely to do drugs, higher likelihood of passing on these advantages to their own kids. But if social justice requires equality of outcome, then loving families are unjust. It's got to be the same. So here's what a couple of professors said at the University of Wisconsin. If the family is a source of unfairness in society, that's inequality, right? Then it looks plausible to think if we abolished the family, there'd be a more level playing field. Whoa, that's pretty hard to hear, huh? What's the other thing that the ideology of critical theory or social justice values? Diversity. So it says, um, Alan says, the idea of equity, which is that outcome business again, equity, diversity, and inclusion have become kind of a mantra for the social justice movement. Diversity just means differences or variety. Well, the Bible talks about diversity and says it's wonderful as long as it's balanced by unity. We all share a deep unity as image bearers of God, so we're all equal, but we're not all uniform. We have differences in male and female and different histories and backgrounds and families, and we should appreciate this and celebrate this. Think about our founding fathers. What did they take? They took that vital unity, diversity, balance for the nation's motto, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. America's strength, Alan points out, is found in our unity. It's one nation, one common culture, and our diversity, many ethnicities and background. Well, that's being challenged today, isn't it? If you just have diversity without unity, Alan points out this is not a strength. It leads to chaos. It leads to conflict. I always think of the Balkans. You know, there's, there's diversity, and all they did is have chaos for a long, long time. But unity without diversity is also negative. It leads to stifling totalitarian conformity. So ideological social justice, that's his name for uh, critical theory, actually values uniformity in the name of diversity. Not all group differences are equally celebrated or even tolerated. It has no place in ideological social justice for human beings as individuals. People are mouthpieces for groups. It's all groupthink. We all belong to groups. Look at your skin color. Whatever your skin color is, you belong to that group. He says the values, uh, the values of diversity, that's not for all people. And if you're a victim, you get more respect. LGBTQ activists, organizations are increasingly targeting Bible-believing Christians for exclusion because of their beliefs. Christians are being pressured to renounce beliefs 
if they want to be in good standing in their professions or before entering their professions in the first place. Well, what about the poor? But, you know, we're talking social justice here. He's, so Alan brings up that question. I, th I thought social justice was all about a concern for the poor. Well, it used to be. Marx's original theory, he calls it Marxism 1.0, Marx's original theory was based on some presuppositions that ties into this ideological social justice. Here's one thing. It's a zero-sum view of resources. If some people have more, others must necessarily have less. Uh, poverty is in society and in an unjust social arrangements. It's not in fallen human hearts and false destructive belief systems. It's capitalism or it's colonialism. Here's another uh, part of presuppositions of Marx. The poor are helpless victims. They're not responsible. They're unable to improve their circumstances. More powerful people have to come in and act for them. Here's another presupposition. It's the responsibility of government to manage and redistribute wealth and power to get a just society. Now, Mar Marx really believed this strongly. He saw capitalism as the enemy. Uh, the concern for the poor and needy, according to Alan, that's central to Christian orthodoxy. He quotes Proverbs 19.17, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. 1 John 3.17, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So Christians also feel strongly about the poor and want to help the poor. But our action toward them and our concern has to be based on biblical truth about what wealth really is and resources. So here comes the other side. What's the Christian presupposition? Poverty is often grounded in false, destructive beliefs. Wealth and resources are not zero-sum because the ultimate resource isn't gold or property. It's not material at all. It's a human mind. We're made in the image of God. We can be creative. We can create new resources, new wealth, new ideas. Here's another presupposition that Christians have. Even the poorest person has many resources that aren't appreciated but can be transformative. The Bible also says our primary job as human beings involves governing creation, being a good steward. And so that's a very different worldview than the social justice worldview. So the biblical worldview says the primary job of government is not to redistribute money, it's to uphold the rule of law, to restrain human evil, to encourage virtue. It's not to equalize wealth. If we do that, if we try to take from some and give to others, that violates the God-given rights and freedoms of the individual, especially property rights, and that's in the Ten Commandments. So there are a lot of things, he points out, that we could do to help the poor, but they need to be based on biblical truth about what people really are and what wealth really is and what resources really are. He says, if we treat the poor as helpless victims and take away their agency and personal responsibility, that is destructive and it's dehumanizing. Okay, well, remember, they also attack Western civilization and America. Why? Well, it's slavery, it's colonialism, it's greed, it's exploitation, it's racial superiority, it's imperialism and genocide. Wow. That's the neo-Marxist narrative. It's loathing of America that... Uh, sparks these people. People say our country is systemically racist. It's, it's irredeemably racist. And there is a lot that we can be criticized for. Alan points that out. That's for sure. 
But America, whatever its flaws, has raised more people, Allen says, out of indigence, misery, superstition, and tolerance than any other civilization in history. And I would add a loud amen to that. He says, for all of its flaws, Western civilization offers so much that's good. Freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, respect for the individual, due process, relative peace and prosperity, and so on. Again, amen to that. Well, there's a lot more. Unfortunately, this is a, a huge chapter, and it's got such good stuff, but I don't want to drag this on too long. Uh, read it for yourself. We've got to be up on these things, uh, this whole critical race theory, CRT sometimes, part of critical theory, and social justice, whatever you want to call it, it is not biblical. It is anti-biblical, although that word justice appeals to Christians, rightfully so. But it is being moved into the church and moved into places that because people haven't paid attention to it. So uh, there's a man named Neil Shenvi. You might look at some of his material on the web, S-H-E-N-V-I. And Monique, uh, or is it Monica, Dusan, D-U-S-O-N. These are two leaders that are trying to wake people up to this critical theory business. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, again, the, the book is called Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. And it's subtitled An Urgent Appeal to Fellow Christians in a Time of Social Crisis. The author is Scott David Allen. Please become aware of what's going on out there and be ready to have... Uh, arguments to to uh, watch out if it's coming into a school in your area or being uh, brought into churches or whatever it's it's out there and it's all over the place and it's devastating to the Christian worldview and it's it's wrong. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, see you next time with another book that we'll take a look at.